Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Great, so this nice loaf of bread, this, this, life, this loaf of bread has been around all five churches, so it's definitely not fit to consume. Um, so, bread, and then a um, nice bottle of um, Rosso 2021. This is the uh, same wine that Jesus drank 2,000 years ago. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Uh, this morning I want to I speak to you about one of the values that we have at Life Church. Over the, last, um, over the last four weeks, you've been talking about different values that we have as a church community, yeah? So you've had, um, someone spoke to you about evangelism. I think Jeremy did that. Um, someone spoke to you about uh, the teachings of Jesus. Pastor Nick did that one. And then you had Dale and Lindsay. Lindsay was the American. She came and spoke to you about fellowship. That's what she said, didn't she? I bet she said it just like that, didn't she? Then you had Del, um, who came and spoke to you about generosity. And Del's an accountant, so I'm sure that he used something to do with that. So the reason why we're going through these values is because um, it's important as the church that we understand like, what's important to us. Yeah, There are certain things that are important to you personally, like things that are personally important to me and my faith, uh, my church family, my kids, uh, Chelsea Football Club, you know, there's, there's a few things around our lives that are really important to us. And you, obviously, many of you might not share those values. You'll have different values, yeah? But um, I'd imagine that we're probably quite similar on those. But the important thing about values as a church family is that we understand what they are and why they're important. Now, when, when the leaders got together to decide about how we were going to do this eight-week series, because this is week five of eight, you got three to go. Um, what I said to them was, please don't stand in front of the churches and just tell them about the things we value. Like, don't fill their head with any more wisdom. Because I said, I, th- I don't think they're daft, our churches. And some of you, um, like people like Jeremy, like you've been Christians for like hundreds of years, yeah? Like there's nothing new that anyone could tell you about, for example, the breaking of bread that we're going to talk about this morning, the communion service, yeah? This thing that Jesus instituted where we take a piece of bread and we take some wine and we eat it and drink it and it reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross for us, yeah? You all know that because um, you get it. My instruction to the leaders was, listen, what you need to do is you need to put legs on the values, Like, we need to say to people, like, well, this is what we believe, this is why we believe it, and this is how we do it. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about the breaking of bread. And as I talk to you about it this morning, what I want to do is I want to put some more legs on it, more legs than you've probably ever had before. Many of us have grown up in churches where what we do is not in the Bible. How about that? What we do... What we do is we will take a little square of bread and we will do it at the end of this service and we will take a thimble of Ribena and we will eat it and we will drink it. And in doing that, what we're doing 
is we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. Yeah? So in itself, it's a good thing. But I think when we look at the Bible, there is so much more to this value than a piece of bread and a thimble of Ribena. I think there's something richer. I think there's better practice that we can enjoy together as a church. So rather than saying simply that our value, one of our, oh, Lucas, what's one of your values? Oh, well, let me tell you, one of our values is the breaking of bread. Rather than saying that, what I've, what I've done is I've kind of put it into a sentence which I think reflects better what Jesus meant when he did that Passover meal with his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he said, listen, this is now a new way of doing the Passover because I'm going to become the Passover lamb for you. And whenever you eat this bread and whether you, whenever you drink this cup, you remember what I have done for you. I put it to you, it's going to be said like this now. We remember the death and resurrection of Jesus as we eat and drink together. Yeah, We remember the death and resurrection of Jesus as we eat and drink together. Because that's what Jesus did. Yeah, in Luke 22 that we're going to read together in a moment, what we see there is a picture of Jesus doing communion for the first time 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. And when he broke that bread in Jerusalem... What he was doing, saying to his followers, people like us that would follow Jesus 2,000 years later, he was saying, listen, whenever you want to remember what I've done for you on the cross, when you eat a meal together, just break the bread and drink the wine, and in doing that, you're remembering what I've done for you. If I said to you, send me a picture of your church, either you would probably send me a picture of this Wonderful cinnamon brown building, yeah? Or you would probably send me a picture of us this moment now, yeah? The, the earliest picture we have of the church is this. This picture was painted. <clears throat> it's a fresco. It was painted in the catacombs under Rome. It's dated about 100 years after Jesus. So it's, 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 it's kind of like the first painted picture we have of the church. And what we see in this first century Rome church, the church at Rome, probably the grandparents who received the book of Romans that was written to the church at Rome, what we see is this picture of the church. There's not a PA system in sight. Notice that first of all, yeah? There's not a PA system in sight. Um, there's no lights. There's no chairs. Simply what there is, is a table. And around the table are sat seven people. And on the table, we can see that there is some wine, some bread, and some fish. Some wine, some bread, and some fish. And what this, what this shows us, this picture, it shows us that the first century church, the most important place that they, when they gathered together, the most important thing that they did was not to sit in rows like we do today. And it's good to sit in rows. Yeah, we like sitting in rows. It's kind of what culture 
um, has brought around, and it works for us, yeah? But there are other contexts of church that are rich that we can enjoy. And I think as we look at this picture here, what we see is a pure, unadulterated picture of the church. Seven people sat around a table with fish, bread and wine. And what are they doing? They're, they're sharing a meal together. And in sharing a meal together, what they're doing is they're breaking bread. Sorry to say, there is not a square of bread in sight, brothers and sisters. And I can see no thimbles of Ribena upon the table because they weren't there. And those of us that have been brought up in church, like it's, it's good that we do what we do. And the reason why we're going to have a square of bread and a thimble of Ribena at the end is because I don't want you to think that I'm saying that's not relevant anymore. In terms of our gathering on a Sunday, it's a really practical way for us to do what Jesus told us to do. One of our values is breaking bread. That we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus as we eat and drink together. But if I was going to come to your house for dinner and I said, let's, eat, let's remember Jesus' death and resurrection as we eat and drink together. There's no way in a million years that you're going to wheel out a square of bread and a thimble of Ribena. Of course you're not. What you're going to do is you're going to prepare your favorite meal. And I think what Jesus did with his disciples 2,000 years ago when he instituted this ceremony of remembering Jesus' death and his resurrection, the wonderful thing that happened on Calvary 2,000 years ago, because Jesus died for you and me, we can enjoy peace with God. We can know what it is to be forgiven we can know what it is to have a brand new start and to live in relationship with the Father because of what Jesus has done. And so when Jesus said, eat this bread and drink the cup, he was doing it so that we would remember what he has done for us. Often in the Bible, meals were are used to celebrate different occasions. If you look at these different occasions, in Exodus chapter 12, yeah, when... Um, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, what happened was, in order for them to remember what God did for them in rescuing them from Egypt, they had the Passover meal. And Moses said to the children of Israel, he said, listen, do this, and when your children ask you, what does this meal mean, you can tell them, we're eating this meal because of what God has done for us, the way that he delivered us. And then that's carried on into the New Testament through Jesus in Luke 22, Acts 2, and 1 Corinthians 11. Good. So if you have a Bible, let me read to you the first time we have this communion service celebrated. And you will notice that it's done around a meal. It was the time of Passover. Jesus was in Jerusalem with his 12 disciples. And in Luke 22, what? Luke, Luke. In Luke 22, verse 17, what we see in this narrative is Jesus sends his disciples off to go and make preparations for the Passover meal. It was going to happen in the upper room. And verse, verse 13 of Luke 22, it records the first time 
that Jesus, around a mealtime, takes communion with his disciples, where he says, this is the bread, this is the cup, this is what, it's, this is what it symbolizes going forward. Okay. If ever you think you shouldn't take communion, like think again. Jesus, Jesus broke bread with his 12 disciples, and Jesus offered it to someone that would betray him that would be unkind to him, someone who really was not on Jesus' team, yeah? And I think sometimes we can put this massive barrier up because we just say, oh, well, I can't share communion because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really feel worthy enough or I don't think I've kind of hit it out of the park this week, yeah? I don't think Jesus is talking about those kind of things when he breaks bread with his disciples, Okay, in its rawest thorn, in its rawest form, and I don't, make, I don't put it in its rawest thorn to demean it or to demise it. I put it in its rawest thorn so that you understand what it really means. Jesus, the Son of God, was having a meal with his friends. And at the end of the meal, we will read, he says to them, or as he's having a meal, he says, listen, this piece of bread here, eat this, and remember that I'm going to go to the cross for you. And he took, some, took the cup, the drink that they were drinking. He said, drink some of this. He said, whenever you do this, remember my blood that was shed for you. And that's it. All right, it's nothing more. It's nothing less. In the actual emblems, in eating and drinking, there is nothing, there's nothing special or supernatural about the bread and the wine. It's totally amazing what it represents. I'm not demeaning that bit. The fact that the Son of God would love you and me in our unworthiness, in our sinfulness, and would give himself on a cross for us so that we could experience new birth and new life and peace with God. Listen, that is something worth remembering. So when Jesus says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, the thing that he's emphasizing, it's not what they were eating or what they were drinking. It was what they were remembering. And Judas was around the table. Just after this meal, Judas would go out and betray Jesus, which would be... The, which would be one of the things that would trigger his path to the cross. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. It was no surprise. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, like, Jesus was not saying in his mind, like, Lord, I did not expect this. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And so I just think it's amazing that Jesus was happy to share communion with Judas. And listen, if he's happy to share communion with Judas... He's happy to share communion with me, and he's happy to share communion with you. However much you might feel, sometimes you don't kind of hit the mark, yeah? So verse 13 of Luke 22, it says, The disciples left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his friends, they reclined at the table. He said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. He said, take and divide this among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them and says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, it's simple. It's not complicated. But it's simple, but it's significant, and it's wonderful, and it's precious. And so 
the main thrust of what I want to say to us today as a church, of something for us to think about over this next year, is to say that when we have communion, when we break bread, when we have this kind of um, sharing together, what we're doing is when we take the piece of bread and we drink the Ribena, what it is, it's a symbol of a symbol. Yeah? It's a symbol of a symbol. The symbol that Jesus gave us was a meal, that people shared a meal together, and in sharing the meal together, like a, imagine like, you know, a full-blown meal. What do you like to eat at home? Like a, a, a three-course curry with poppadoms and naans, yeah, and all the sauces, yeah, whatever it is. Like Jesus was saying, a full-blown meal is the way that you should remember my broken body and my shed blood. And so when we eat the piece of bread at the end of this service and drink the little bit of Ribena, what we have is a symbol of a symbol. It's not a wrong way to do it. It's a right way to do it. Like We will practice communion like this at Life Church for years to come. But what I hope, to, hope in my sharing with you this morning is that we understand that actually there is probably a richer way to share communion. There's another way that we can share communion. When we share communion on a Sunday, what we do is we do something in rows, we do something that's practical, but it's a symbol of a symbol. And that's what God calls us to do. The amazing thing as we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus as we eat and drink together is that Jesus was saying to his disciples, like, doing this in a context of a meal is rich, like it's good. Like whenever you sit down to a meal with people, around that meal there's lots of things that happen around that table, yeah? There's nourishment, there's a sense of safety, there's friendship, there's conversation, um, there's acceptance of one another. And so what Jesus was saying, he's saying that as you break bread together, those things are important as well. When Jesus said those words, do this in remembrance of me, he wasn't only talking about a piece of bread and some wine. He was talking about the context that he found himself in. What was the context that Jesus was in when he broke bread with his disciples? It was 12, 13 men around a table sharing a meal together, like friends would share a meal together. And Jesus was saying, not, not just do this and do this. He was saying, he says to us this morning as a church, like, do this in remembrance of me. Even our gathering together, like we're not around a table, and sometimes it's nice, it'd be nice to be around a table, but we're sat in a room together. It's a bit chilly as well at times, yeah? But we, what we're saying is we're saying, Jesus is saying to us, do this in remembrance of me, yeah? So there's a richness that you and me can enjoy in the communion service, both with a square of bread and a thimble of Ribena, but probably there's even more of a richness that we could experience together if we understood that actually it's all right for me and you on occasions when we're with family or when we're with friends, within the context around your dining room table, you can turn just a normal family meal into a breaking of bread service. Okay, It doesn't need to be prolonged. When you read the text, Jesus says three sentences 
that makes it a breaking of bread. I think if we think we're ever going to do breaking of bread at home, we probably think we need to get a PA system set up, and then um, someone will need to be on the projector. We'll need a guitarist at the front. We'll have to make sure that kind of we've got the racks of drink and the little squares of bread. No, you don't need any of that. Like you, with your friends, with your family, you can take a meal at home and you can turn it into a communion service. All the special words you need are not found in a prayer book. They're found in the Bible that you and me possess. I believe Jesus wanted the communion service to be accessed to by all. And so just by having a family meal, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to write some things down to help us. Because sometimes I was brought up in the Church of England where we did liturgy all the time. I'm now a pastor of a Pentecostal church where we very rarely do any liturgy. But a little liturgy is good. Liturgy is where you just have set things that you say and it doesn't make them any less or more spiritual than saying something in a spontaneous way. But sometimes when you're around a table with the family, you know, or with friends and you want to make it a communion service, you want to take time to remember, it's helpful just to have a few lines to, to share and to speak. You know, for example, at the start of the meal, you might simply say, um, we, as we meet together to share food together, before we eat our meal, we're going to eat some bread and we're going to drink some juice and we're going to give thanks and we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. And, in, and then what happens is, I believe what can happen is that after you shared the meal together, there can be a, a, an offering of prayers. Anything I can pray for you um, about? Um, is, there anything that, um, is there anything that I can... Um, is there any word of encouragement we can bring to each other? And it doesn't need to be forced... It may well be that sometimes we just read the liturgy that Luke has provided and we read, read the prayer and then we get on and just enjoy the meal together. I don't think Jesus, well, I can see from the text, it, that text of Luke 22, it was quite, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very um, spiritual meal because afterwards the disciples started arguing with each other about who was going to betray Jesus, you know. It was, it was not sanctified at all. And I think sometimes we feel that this mealtime has to become this spiritual utopia before we can kind of use it as a breaking of bread. No, it just needs to be a meal with family, with friends, where we eat the bread and we drink the cup and we give thanks for what Jesus has done for us. So four quick things to help us, four quick things about this breaking of bread service. First of all, this breaking of bread service the Bible tells us that as we come and eat to drink together, we should examine ourselves. Right, so what does that mean? I used to think growing up as a kid, I was in an in a Anglican church. I used to think that I used to sit on like the 10th row. I used to think that when the, when, when the Bible said that, it meant I had between the 10th row and getting to the communion rail along the front to kind of get right with God, yeah? A man ought to examine himself. So you better get right with God quick before you eat the bread and before you drink the cup, okay? That's not what it's talking about. The Bible there is just, when Paul writes those words to the church in Corinth, he's writing to a church that knew what it was to have a meal together. And what the problem was that when they were coming together for their meals, they were doing crazy things like getting drunk and not waiting for each other before other people got there. And, um, and so 
Paul was just giving them some instructions, just saying, listen, he said to them, listen, before you meet together for your meal, your Passover meal, make sure your heart's right with each other and make sure your heart's right with God. And I think that's just a great place to position our hearts as followers of Jesus, yeah? To make sure that our heart is positioned in a place where we're right with one another and we're right with, one, with God. Because who wants to eat a meal with someone if you've had an argument with them? Like, it's terrible, isn't it? It's kind of an atmosphere there. And so Paul is saying that. He was saying, listen, clear the air and make sure things are right between you and right with God. Yeah, so examination. Second thing, another word for you, collaboration. Okay, the best kinds of meals are when everyone collaborates together, yeah? So you bring your best starter or someone cooks their best main or someone brings their best dessert, yeah? They're never going to bring a fruit salad with fromage fray, are they? If it's their best dessert, yeah? And so that sense of collaboration where we come together at the table, like that's what communion is all about. It's about sharing, it's about serving, it's about blessing. And it's about, as you come to that table together, it's about remembering together what Jesus has done for us. But it's not only about remembering, it's about appreciating the other people that sit around the table with you. It's about, um, it's about, um, it's about, sharing stories it's about appreciating the food it's about enjoying the moment yeah just being present where you are we do all those things when we collaborate and we come together around the table and it's about just acknowledging that in that moment where you break bread like you look back to the cross of what Jesus has done for us we acknowledge the life and ministry of Jesus We thank God that in this moment now, we are recipients of what Jesus has done for us. And also we look forward to what God has done for us in terms of Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us. So we look back, we enjoy the moment and we look forward and we do that together. Yeah, you can't you can't have a communion service on your own like it's impossible because the nature of communia, communion is that word koinonia, which means community, fellowship, sharing. Okay, Understand today the richness that comes when, when Christian brothers and sisters share a meal together. And then there's that word celebration. Yeah, Meals are a time of celebrating. I, Jesus could have said like, Remember me when you walk up a hillside and you see a beautiful view. Yeah, he could have said that. Or he could have said, kind of, remember me in the morning when you wake up and you're brushing your teeth. He could have said that. And so every morning when we got up as Christians, followers of Jesus, as we brushed our teeth, we would remember what Jesus had done for us because that's what Jesus said we should do. No, he didn't do that, did he? He said, listen, when you're sitting down for a meal... When you're celebrating together, when you're sharing food, when you're having that kind of sense of fellowship, that sweet spot where everything is right, there's enough on the table, your favorite people are around you, and you're just sharing food. Jesus says, in that moment, celebrate and remember what I did for you. We always, we love meals to celebrate, don't we? Christmas meals, 
Boxing Day sandwiches, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, yeah? They're all times where we would eat a meal to celebrate. The reason why Jesus told us and reminded us to think about his death and his resurrection around a meal is because a meal is a time of celebration. And that's what Jesus wanted us to do. Many, many hundreds of years ago, when the church was quite confused about what communion is, and I think sometimes even today there are elements of the church that might be confused about what communion is, particularly when you start to go back and look at what the Bible says yeah, about what the communion service is. There was a time where, where the church didn't even break bread. What happened was the priest at the altar would break bread with his back to the people and only he was the one that would break bread. As we reflect upon the scriptures this morning and think about what we do, like we remember Jesus' death and resurrection as we eat and drink together. There's a sense of community, together, communion. And when, when, when a priest did that, when he ate communion on his own, there wasn't, it wasn't really a moment of celebration. There's a guy called Philip Yancey. He describes what the table, this communion table should be like. He says this. He says it's a table where we can celebrate. He says this table, the communion table, it isn't where sinners find Christ, but it's where sons and daughters celebrate being found. Maybe someday, instead of solemnly making our way to the tables, we should dance for joy. Maybe we should sing every born-again song we know. Maybe we should tell our homecoming stories and laugh like people who no longer fear death. Maybe we should ask if anyone wants seconds and hold our little cups high and toast lost sinners found and dead brothers and sisters alive. The breaking of bread is a place of celebration, a place where death has lost and Christ has won, a place where our promises are renewed with Jesus and a place where we're reconciled with God and we're reconciled with one another. It's a celebration. And so even sometimes the somberness that we have, like when we break bread, and I, th- and I don't think it's misplaced. I think sometimes to be reverent and reflective is a good thing. But when, you, when I read the account in Luke 22 where Jesus did this communion service for the first time, I see 13 rowdy men around a table, friends, eating and drinking together and instituting for the first time what we would know as the communion meal or the communion service. Final thing, proclamation. When we eat and drink this bread, whether we do it at the end of a service a small piece of bread and a thimble of Ribena, or whether we do it with our favorite meal on the table, remembering Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. What we do is we proclaim something. Paul says when he writes to the church at Corinth, he said, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. When you eat that piece of bread and you drink that Ribena this morning, What you are proclaiming is that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That's what 
the piece of bread and the Ribena proclaim. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. It's quite a powerful thing, actually, when you think about it. And for a time in the church, when, when the service was done in Latin, at the, end of the, at the end of the communion service, the priest would say these words, Ita missa est. Ita missa est. It's not in scripture, but what it was, it was like a commissioning. It was saying, go as you have been sent. Go as you have been sent. And so when we, when, when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then what we're, what we're doing is as we leave the place, we're saying, Lord, as you have broken yourself, as you have poured yourself out, as we, we have remembered what you have done for us, Lord, help us as we walk out of those doors or those doors this morning, that we would know in our own lives what it is to be broken and what it is to be poured out in a world that needs you so much. In the Anglican service, I went to an Anglican church for most of my teenage years. The vicar at the end of the service, after we'd broken bread, he would say these words, go, um, uh, what would he say? He would say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And we as a congregation would respond in the name of Christ. Amen. Yeah? And so this morning as we eat the bread and we drink the cup together in a moment as a church community. Yeah? There is a sense that whenever we eat the bread, Paul says, and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Life Church this morning, the value that I'm encouraging us to practice and we will practice it with a piece of bread and a small cup of Ribena this morning, like we have done for many years. But this morning, I just want to nudge us as a church over this next year or so to have other contexts in our lives where we also celebrate communion. There might come a time where we only break bread around tables in people's homes, yeah? But we're not ready for that yet. Like It's a bit of a journey for us to go on. But I really want us to be a church that knows what it is to do things as the New Testament church did them. And so the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. But I would like that to be our practice, that we would meet in homes for the Lord's Supper and share meals with great joy and generosity that our practice would be we remember Jesus' death and resurrection as we eat and drink together. Now this morning we will eat and drink together in a very small way, yeah? Remember what I said earlier, when you think about communion now, when we do it together like this, it's a symbol of a symbol, yeah? What we're doing this morning is a symbol of what Jesus did with his disciples in Luke 22, 2,000 years ago. But I believe that there can be times in our lives where we simply break bread as a symbol like Jesus taught us to do. And it might take some practice and it might be a little bit difficult to start with, but I think we can do it. And so what I'm going to do over, these next, um, over this next month or so is I'll provide you with kind of three frameworks you can use. One will be in Lucas speak. So as you're reading, you'll have to read it in a Cockney accent, yeah? All right. 
So one will be in Lucas speak, one, one will be kind of quite formal, and then one, someone's given me one that came from the Gaelic island of Skye, like a thousand years ago. I mean, I think it's a load of twaddle myself. But some people really like that kind of thing, yeah? Because it's kind of got these and thous in it, and it talks about God being present in the earth and the sea. And he is in all of those things, okay? So what I'm saying to you is there's no set way to do it. As long as you're remembering what Jesus has done for you, as you eat the food and you drink the cup together, as long as it's got a biblical foundation, and we'll take the words of Jesus as our foundation, then the other stuff that you do around it, it's fine, it's good. It's like whatever your flavor is, yeah? As long as it's based on the Bible, it's fine. And I believe that together we can experience the breaking of bread like Jesus meant it to be. And this morning now, as we share communion together, we're going to do it like we've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And I want you to know this morning that this is absolutely significant what we do now. Because what we're doing in breaking bread together this morning is we're obeying what Jesus told us to do. So Lord, this morning we thank you. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. We thank you for the blueprint that you left us so that we would know what it is to do the things that you call us to do. Lord, we are so forgetful about the stuff that you've done for us. It, Lord, it, Jesus, it was so wise of you to put into place something whereby we would remember. And so, Lord, this morning we remember. We remember what you've done for us. Lord, when we eat this piece of bread in a moment, we remember Jesus. We remember your body that was broken for us. And we give you thanks that you went all the way to the cross for us, Jesus. That you loved us just where we were and you gave yourself for us. And we're grateful. And Lord, this morning as we drink the Ribena together, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you that you came for us. You became for us the Passover lamb. That there was no more Passovers that needed to happen because Jesus, you did it all for us. And so, Lord, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we come with a sense of thanking you for what you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that every heart that's here this morning, that maybe for the first time or maybe for the millionth time, there'll just be a sense of thanking you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.